Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Thinking Spatially podcast series. The Thinking Spatially podcast series, where we think spatially across space, across time, and across scales, from local to global scales. Today's episode is about Brunel, B-R-U-N-E-L, Brunel, modifying the landscape in the Industrial Revolution. Brunel, modifying the landscape in the Industrial Revolution. Bridges, tunnels, docks, and railways have become familiar on the modern landscape. Yet they weren't always that way, due in large part to the innovations by Isambard Kingdom Brunel, 1806 to 1859, a British engineer, these sites are not only common, but they had a profound impact on cultural geography from the Industrial Revolution to the present day. Similar to geographers and explorers described in my book, Interpreting Our World from ABC Clio, who were inspired by their similarly-minded parents, for example, Marco Polo, Brunel was born into the family of Mark Brunel, a pioneer of mechanical production and chief engineer of New York City. Isambard Brunel's earliest projects included the world's first pedestrian tunnel under a river, the Thames or Thames Tunnel, and the Clifton Bridge across the Avon Gorge in Bristol, England. He was also keenly involved in the Great Western Railway, linking London to the lands to the southwest of England, and designed its terminal, Paddington Station, in grand style to accommodate the crowds expected for the 1851 Great Exhibition in London. It became a three-span iron and glass structure, 700 feet long by 240 and a half feet wide, with a 102 and a half foot wide center span and 189 wrought iron arched ribs with 12 diagonals supporting the transept roofs and 69 identical cast iron columns to hold it all up in three rows. I've been there and it's quite spectacular and I highly recommend that you visit. That is the Paddington Station in London. These stations and railways, folks, were more than just structures. They were designed to make the passengers feel that they had now arrived in the modern age. The railway was constructed so that passengers would feel very little movement, and hence the need for numerous tunnels and bridges to keep the route as flat as possible. The Royal Albert Railway Bridge, for example, would cross the river Tamar at its narrowest point of 1,100 feet so that tall sailing ships could pass underneath and thus needed a two-span bowstring suspension bridge and each span in the form of a parabola. Brunel also designed a floating 1,000-bed field hospital for the Crimean War and great, great steamships. These ships included the SS Great Western, launched in 1837. A large paddle wheel at its side, it missed by three hours as the first ship to cross the Atlantic under steam power, but broke records as the largest ship ever built up to that time. It crossed the Atlantic in 15 days and 5 hours. In 1843, the SS Great Britain was the first iron-hulled ship with a screw propeller. Launched in 1860 and containing over 3 million iron rivets, Brunel's next ship, the SS Great Eastern, was so large that it took three weeks to get it from the dock into the water. <laughs> it laid the first transatlantic cable just after Brunel died, which was fittingly after collapsing on the deck of the great ship two days before its launch. 
At almost 700 feet, or 200 meters long, it remained the largest ship built until the beginning of the 20th century. Brunel's last major undertaking was the unique Three Bridges London structure. Work began in 1856 and was completed in 1859. He made ingenious use of spatial thinking in this project as well, resulting in a clever arrangement that allows the routes of the Grand Junction Canal, Great Western and Brentford Railway, and Windmill Lane to cross each other, road above canal above railway. And again, that's Three Bridges, London. Brunel knew of the dangers inherent in the construction of large public works projects at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, when construction techniques were largely untested and safety measures largely unknown. He himself narrowly ex escaped death when the Thames Tunnel flooded and had to recuperate for six months afterwards. He was also injured in a fire aboard the Great Western before it launched. Brunel knew the value of communicating his bold ideas, was not afraid to spend money, and had to have great patience. His Clifton Bridge above Avon Gorge, for example, required 33 years to finish due to riots and funding constraints. Hmm. It was a novel plan, a suspension bridge which were new to the world scene. Brunel did not even live to see its completion. He also had to have great tenacity. His audacious proposal for the Great Western Railway had to be tirelessly pitched against other engineers with competing ideas. Brunel's plan call, called for a high-speed railway on which locomotives could travel at 60 miles an hour rather than 35 miles per hour. His controversial argument was that by developing a track with a gauge of 7 feet 1 fourth inches, or 2,140 millimeters, broader than the then standard 4 feet 8.5 inches, or 1,435 millimeters, the center of gravity of the train cars would be lower, allowing the engine's driving wheels to be larger and the trains to run faster. The broad gauge was eventually used on the Great Western Railway, Cornwall Railway, and smaller lines, even though an 1845 Royal Commission deemed it too large and expensive to, for widespread adoption, and the Great Western line was eventually narrowed to the width adopted for the rest of the country. Brunel also knew when to call a halt to his own projects when he realized or recognized that they were too expensive to be practical, as he did when it was clear that his system of vacuum traction for railways was not working as planned. Brunel was also ahead of his time. His hospitals included access to sanitation, ventilation, drainage, and even rudimentary temperature controls. Florence Nightingale referred to them as Quote, those magnificent huts, end quote. Furthermore, due to his vision and in engineering innovations, the building of large-scale, propeller-driven, all-metal steamships became practical, but the prevailing economic and industrial conditions meant that it would be several decades before transoceanic steamship travel would emerge as a viable industry at the close of the 19th century. <laughs> Through his railways, docks, bridges, tunnels, and ships, Brunel enabled the Industrial Revolution to move, to move, which had an immense impact on the cultural geography of the, tw of the 19th century onto today. The connectivity of the modern world and the decreased friction of distance that has made global trade, travel, and tourism possible had its roots in Brunel's work. Brunel had a keen sense of the physical geography of the land and sea to enable his ideas to take physical shape and also of the economic and social geography for these ideas to be embraced by the general public, financiers, 
construction workers, and other engineers. Like the structures of Burnham and others, those of Brunel shaped the modern cultural landscape. More than an engineer and a builder, Brunel was a problem solver, a problem solver. He inspired others to solve complex challenges in the em emerging modern age, in sanitation, energy, communications, and in other fields. As the Industrial Revolution took hold, the landscape would be modified by humans as never before. Humans did so in these great structures of canals, railways, dams, and reservoirs, and highways, but also more subtly in the manner in which people thought about their own role as change makers on the landscape, and later as protectors of the landscape. Thanks for being with me in this episode of the Thinking Spatially podcast, where we think spatially across space, time, and scale. Here with you, Joseph Kursky about Brunel, modifying the landscape in the Industrial Revolution. Thanks.